We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So, Sarah, as we both know, former Pittsburgh Steeler turned ESPN analyst Ryan Clark has had a few epic rants in recent memory about Lamar Jackson and the Ravens. And yet again, he gave another one after the team's shellacking on Sunday. He said the best players combined of the Detroit Seahawks in his mind, they couldn't even beat the Ravens. He has me laughing, Detroit Seahawks. Meanwhile, the Sharp brothers, Sterling and Shannon, they clashed over who was the best team in the AFC. But Bobby, they both seem to get along about their feelings regarding one Lamar Jackson in the postseason. So we'll explain that coming up. I see it runs in the family. I'm Bobby (laughs) Trossett alongside my co-host and partner, Sarah Ellison. It is Tuesday, November 7th, and this is your morning Ravens update from Inside the Vault, brought to you by our friends at Thoroughbred Sedan Van and Bus LLC. You can visit RideThoroughbred.com or follow them on Instagram at RideThoroughbred. All that information can be found in the show notes below. So John Harbaugh addressed the media as he always does Monday, and he still he spoke about the ridiculous competitive nature in the AFC North. I mean, Bobby, if the playoffs started today, all four teams would be in it. Uh, he also hinted about an, an announcement forthcoming about outside linebacker David Ojabo. Yeah, that did not sound great, but we'll get into it. Plus, Ravens linebacker Roquan Smith rejoined us here inside the vault for his weekly chat on Monday. You will not want to miss how he framed Baltimore's defense as, wait for it, a dictatorship. <laughs> yeah, we have all of that. And as always, more coming up. So thank you for waking up with the Morning Vault where you get the most important Ravens news and our opinions in about 30 minutes. All right, Bobby. So every Tuesday morning, uh, we use this time from what we've done and we've combed through the media and it's always an overreaction Monday, right? So listen, there is no short of shortage of teams or excuse me, there's no shortage of analysts saying that the Ravens are the best in the AFC or the best in the NFL. I mean, everybody, how can you not feel good about the Ravens after they just dismantled the Seattle Seahawks, who, you know, is a division leader. And then the Ravens already did that against the Lions. So I know you found a 
pretty compelling clip from Ryan Clark over at ESPN's Get Up. Yeah, this was the first thing I saw this morning. Again, not the last whatsoever. We're going to have a couple clips on deck here, but this was Get Up. Greenberg, Rex Ryan, I think one other guy was at the, the, the set as well. But Ryan Clark was on one this morning for sure. We had two teams that just visited Baltimore that were t- trying to teach the world and show the world we're ready to ascend to the top of the NFC. And they both went home bludgeoned. They got beat like 70-something to nine combined. If you combine the Seattle Seahawks and the Detroit Lions and you made the Detroit Seahawks, they get their tail blown out of here. The Baltimore Ravens have imposed their wills on two of the best teams in the entire NFC. And it wasn't even close. They didn't even show up. And don't tell me it's about travel. Don't tell me it's about Lamar Jackson's ability to play against the NFC. Snoop Hundley came in and threw a touchdown to OBJ on his 30th birthday. He got a birthday present. When you look at the Baltimore Ravens and, and the whole offseason, we talked about the fact that it was going to be so fun and they were going to spread it out and they were going to throw it around. No, you know what they're going to do? They're going to make you like it. Yeah. 75 years. That coffee must have hit different on Monday for RC. But uh, by the way, the vocabulary, how about the what he's pulling out in his arsenal there? Bludgeoned, got the uh, Oxford language definition here of that. Beat someone <laughs> repeatedly with a bludgeon or other heavy object. Another one, force or bully someone to do something. Yeah, one more, Sarah, make one's way by brute force. <laughs> You're pulling out the dictionary definitions this morning. This or yeah, this is hilarious to me. Uh, my favorite was you know the Detroit Seahawks. You combine them, you still can't beat the Ravens. He was, he was certainly the most animated of all those. But I got to tell, I mean Tony Romo. I went over to um, at CBS. He thinks that the Ravens are the best in the NFL. You go over to Undisputed and. Most of the guys over there, yeah, so Skip Bayless, uh, his co-host, they basically said the Ravens were the best. Um, I just went show to show to show, and they were all kind of this, saying the same thing until I got to first take. So That's typically <laughs> the have, formula. <laughs> you know? it's, it's so hilarious. We're, we're keeping up with these guys because they started off this season saying ridiculousness. Kind of came back around, but today they had on Shannon Sharp's brother as a guest, Sterling Sharp. So we know he also played in the NFL. I mean, just a football family, athletic family, uh, another level over there. So this one, there was a little bit more back and forth. So are the Ravens the best in the AFC? This I, I let this clip run a little bit longer so you could hear people's arguments, and then we'll uh, give our takes at the end. AFC Sterling. I, I still have to go with Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals, but here's why. They don't fear anyone, but everyone fears them because they've gone into Kansas City and played big and gotten to a Super Bowl. Lamar Jackson, for all his wonderful play, uh, uh, MVP in yeah. our league, couldn't get his team to the big dance. Joe Burrow did die. Again, I would, I would respectfully disagree with you, which is hard for me to say because I've been raving about Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati yes, yes, all yes. Long. Well, and I'm still not stopping. It's just that now I'm paying attention to two components, Sterling. Number one, the defense, which I already articulated. Number two, this kid Keaton Mitchell, who didn't have carry all season long, rushed for 138 yards yesterday. This is a team that was being maligned for not trading for a running back before the trading deadline, True. right? And then the next thing you know, they show up and they rush for 238 yards of 
very next game. Whatever you perceive as being their weakness, the Baltimore Ravens step up to the plate and say, nah, we know what we're doing. And with Lamar Jackson doing what he's doing, it could get very interesting because remember, if they have a better record, it'll be in Baltimore. I just look at it like this, though. In a quarterback-driven league, right. and we've seen some horrendous right. roughing the passer calls because totally. we're trying totally. to protect that guy. Yes. I've seen Lamar in big situations so down the stretch. Yeah, you're right. I've seen Joe Burrow right. in big situations mm. down the stretch. I'm not even going to go back to college because I think it's unfair comparison. Okay. But in the NFL, in a quarterback-driven league, mm-hmm. that guy has to be like has to meet Patrick Mahomes on his level, and I think Burrow does. So I, I understand that he's Joe Cool, and I get what you're saying. But in Lamar's defense, do you feel like he didn't have the weapons? No, I, I think that's you dance with the girl you brought and the girl that they gave him. Hey, look, this is what you did. You got to be the best team in the AFC. You didn't get it done. I'm going to go with the Ravens also, but here's what here's what, and this is why, Molly, I'm going to yeah. say disagree with your point about him not having the receivers because he didn't I'm have. I'm not saying this year, no. though. I'm saying in the past. But he didn't have those receivers and won a unanimous MVP. Yes, he did. That's 30, true. 36 touchdowns, six interceptions. Yeah. He was throwing to somebody. That's right. I'm going to take the Baltimore Ravens because this is why I'm going to take the Ravens. They can keep Joe Burrow off the field. Because when you can run the ball for 298 yards, tick, 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 tick. So now, and with that defense, the way they can pull, because now, how many possessions are you going to have? All right, Bobby, let me, I'll give you the first crack. What's your reaction to that? Dancing with the girl you brought. I can't seem to get over that one. That analogy there from Sterling. Like, I don't know. That, I just can't. It's such an old school way of thought there from Sterling, I feel like, just in terms of where the Ravens have been, what they've had around Lamar up until this season. So uh, I'm still digesting it. Where are you at? Yeah, well, I've I've got kind of like three thoughts coming out of it. All right, so Lamar Jackson's one and three in the playoffs. Okay, if if that's if if you are the hey, show it to me first. I get that. I, you know, sometimes I feel that way too. So if you want to hang on to that, that he hasn't won the playoffs, Joe Burrow went to the Super Bowl. You know, if that makes you think, okay, in the end, that's what, what's going to be the difference. Fine. That's going to be up to Lamar, John Harbaugh, Todd Munkin, this Ravens team to change that narrative. You know, fine. That's fair. Okay. Now, um, I, I don't understand what you're like, what you were talking about that part where they said you, you, you dance with the girl that you brought. What, it, what does that mean? Like what if, if another girl's a better dancer than the other, that has, that has an effect on the game. And so like when, when Shannon was like, he was an MVP. Yeah. Despite the receiving core, not because of it, not because of it. So the point now is. That's, again, if you want Lamar to prove it to you before you can believe it, that's fine. But let's just understand, this is not the one-dimensional offense that it was in 2019 in terms of receiving core. Okay, Mm -hmm. So so if the running game is shut down, there there are receivers in town that are much more reliable than that 2019 squad. And that 2019 squad did let... Lamar and the team down in those playoffs. Um, I'm sure I remember which game it was where there was the, the drop counter that was almost as bad as that Steelers game from a couple of weeks ago. So, uh, so that does make a difference. This is, this is a more complete team, but as you kind of pointed out in the, in the teaser, the sharp brothers are together because even though Shannon said that he believes in the Ravens more and so did Stephen a neither one of them said it was because they think Lamar 
can can outduel Joe Burrow. Both of them said it was because of the the defense would keep Joe Burrow off the field, and then also with the running game, they'd be able yeah. to keep Joe Joe Burrow off the field. So really, they're giving the edge to the Ravens, not necessarily because of Lamar, which again is fine because Lamar does have a more complete team than he's had in the past. But and so for for Sharp and for Stephen A, Lamar having a more complete team puts them over the edge, but none of them really quite came out being like, yeah, Lamar's a step ahead of Joe. And in the past, he hasn't been in the postseason, but this this postseason is unwritten. Yes. I, yeah, just to summarize my thought on that, um, actually, it's funny. You and I were talking about it before we went on earlier today, uh, putting together our script and whatnot. I told you that I had watched that segment. Not that part of the segment, which is why I've been trying to digest ah. that specific clip. And so while I'm I'm fine with people that can't get on the believer train right yet because of mm -hmm. that one and three record and because of the statistics and because of the eye test and blah, blah, blah for what they've seen in January or what they haven't seen uh, from Lamar, you have to be able to acknowledge the difference between the 2019 personnel around him and mm -hmm. what they've done since. And I don't I just feel like like he just didn't even remotely even scratch the surface on that. You have to at least mention that. C go with the girl you dance with or so what was it again? What was the analogy? Yeah, you got to you got to dance with the girl you brought or whatever it is. Uh, I mean, yes, that's <laughs> true, but that doesn't change the the fact that you know, and that the Lamar was throwing to Willie Sneed and company and Joe Burrow's been throwing to Chase and T Higgins and you know all those guys. So again, it's it, it almost doesn't even matter because we're gonna find out. We we the two teams are gonna meet in like uh, about ten days again. They'll probably meet again in the playoffs. And oh, one other thing, Bobby, he kept talking about confidence, 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 confidence. And um, I, I think it's true that Joe Burrow doesn't fear anybody, but I don't know that the Ravens and Lamar Jackson do either. And 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 um. While Joe Burrow doesn't fear the Ravens, that's probably true. No way do the Ravens fear the Bengals. No, no, that's not happening. No, gosh, no. Speaking of dancing, though, you know who's been dancing all over the place is this Ravens defense. And we love cutting to Brian Baldinger for his expertise, former NFL player, now with NFL Network. I thought did a good job of explaining what Baltimore's defensive group has been doing so dominantly uh, in this case on Sunday against Seattle. Lead the NFL in almost every category in defense. It was on display Sunday. Kyle Illinois was on the street a month ago. He runs this little delayed stunt right here, and he gets his fourth sack since he's come to the Ravens. So here he is coming on this side right here. He's going to turn the corner right here on Charles Cross, but he's keeping that outside arm free. And all he's trying to do is get that ball out of Geno Smith's hands, and he does. And Broderick Washington recovers it. And then you get this. Like, you look at Odafe right here and how he's coming on. Watch this spin move right here. Spin, defeat the guard and the running back, and take down Geno Smith. Good game by Owe. And then you get this. You get this Justin Matabike right here. He's going to come off this pick stunt of Patrick Queen and get free. You know he leads all interior defensive linemen in the entire league. Aaron Donald, Chris Jones with seven and a half sacks. And then what about the play? of Genevieve Clowney. Like, they're going to run this stunt right here, and Clowney's coming free, he just blows up the back. Like, 
his pass rush, his effort, like he's playing the best football he's played in years. He can't get home right here, gets that left hand up and bats the ball down, a couple of batted balls in that game. That front, Michael Pierce, Van Noy, Clowney, Matabike, it's good. It's real good. That was an exceptional breakdown there. You want to know my biggest takeaway of all of it? Let's hear it. Adafe always technique. Adafe always spin move because what was the knock on Adafe early on as recently as probably last year? He's one-dimensional technique-wise. He's just going to try and run around you. Or he's going to try mm-hmm. and use his speed, his God-gifted ability. Shout out again, Dr. Rush. There's got to be a direct correlation between a pass rush specialist being hired as the outside linebackers coach and Adafe, when healthy, having the best year of his career. And you see the technique right there. He's developing as a player. You know, he's not just relying on, again, his ridiculous off-the-charts athleticism. So as much as we can talk about there, the vets in KVN and Genavian getting after it, number 92 in the middle right there, making sure his payday is going to be sweet in a few months from now. I want to talk about Adafe because while it's coming doses here and there, and yes, he's been down for a couple weeks banged up, uh, that's encouraging for him just in, in terms of his evolution as a player. Very encouraging for Odafe. Love seeing these older vets get after it. Uh, I often feel like like here the Ravens have this awesome picture of the the three interior guys, Matabike, Michael Pierce, Travis Jones. When you, when when the middle of that line collapses, it's going to open up things for the guys on the edges and and the same uh, and the same thing if you start to have to like watch out for Clowney or Odafe. I mean, then these guys open up. I mean, when you just have such a solid defensive front, it, it's like, how are these offensive lines supposed to start all, all stop all of them? Bobby, I just saw a tweet come up from the NFL, like the NFL's league. They put up a bunch of highlights from, from Sunday's game with the question, is this the best Ravens defense since 2000? Oh boy. Now, I'm not, I'm not ready to go there yet. I got to think about it. I know that that the Ravens players themselves talk about how underrated. I believe it's the 2000s, 2007 squad. Mm-hmm. Um, there's there's some ridiculous ones, and we're only nine games through the season. So let's revisit that. But the fact that they are even being talked about in that light is a, is a positive sign for sure. I just wanted to add to that quickly. I do those Monday day after. Ravens lunch hour live streams and I had Kadri on 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 um, the day after the Seahawks game and I just thought he did a really good job of answering a fan's question in terms of some of the parallels the comparisons since he still is around this year's team okay. as and and he has been for years as a media member for WJZ but Kadri was asked like are, are there comparisons between you know the 2000 team that you are on and and this year's and he says culturally yes so it just speaks yeah. to, and we, we talked about that in the post-game show. These guys, there's a belief within that locker room that's oozing everywhere. We get to see it from Roquan. We get to see it on the field. We get to see it through Ravens productions and, and media clips that they put out. So just a nice little nugget there from Q. Sticking with Baldy, though, another breakdown he gave us is this dude, Keaton Mitchell, who we all know came hot to trot in his first opportunity to get some legitimate snaps, nine carries, 138 yards, a touchdown in really his his biggest workload as a pro. We know that he's an undrafted rookie out of East Carolina. We know it was his mother's 53rd birthday on the day of the game, Sarah. She asked for 53 yards. He more than doubled that. Really cool story. Here's Baldy 
on the young gun at 5'8", making me and all the other sub-six-foot dudes out there in the world awfully proud. For, for the Ravens, is Keaton Mitchell. Got a chance to play in the second quarter right here. Here's just a basic draw. And he just finds an opening right here. He breaks the tackle of Jamal Adams. And you go, okay, 11 yards on his first NFL carry. Oh, he would keep carrying it in the second quarter, following McCarry right into the hole. He just slithers through the hole, breaks another tackle, and carries defenders. And he would do it again out of a pistol formation, following Zeitler and Ricard. And that's Jaron Reed right there. He just made miss. He just slithers. And then his fourth carry for 37 yards in the second quarter set up this touchdown as he makes this move. But he was just getting started because at the start of the third quarter, I looked it up. At East Carolina, he ran a 4-3-7-40. Boye Mafi's got a chance at him, but it's too late. He just outruns the whole defense. You see that Reek Woolen right there, 27? He ran in the four twos at the combine. He ran away from him, and then he did this. Like, here comes Tyler Linderbaum just blowing up Jordan Reed. And he makes that cut, and he goes for 60. What a day for Keaton Mitchell, the rookie free agent out of East Carolina. I guarantee you, the Seahawks know who he is right now. And the Browns coming to town, they'll know who he is as well. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. <laughs> Two things for me. One, you know, a former NFL offensive lineman and Baldy ain't going to miss that Linderbaum looking for work yeah, down yeah. on that 60-yarder. And two, the word slithers, 
is perfect. He is slithery. Look out. <laughs> slithery is perfect. And he said it right when like a defensive lineman kind of had his arm and he literally like slithered through it. Like that's exactly it. He just like, that's what I've said. How does he come out of those off like those trenches coming out? He slithers out. One last thing on that 60 yarder where Tyler Linderbaum blocks him. If we're looking for room for improvement, I think Keaton had a better chance to score if he kept going up the sideline. Like he 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 kind of stopped for a minute and he needed to 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 get a guy that was right in front of him, kind of went around him. But if he went back to the sideline and up, he had Aguilar as a as a blocker. Mm. But when he broke out to the left, Aguilar couldn't keep up or get ang angles with the where he where he was going. If he kept up the right sideline, I think he would. I think he could have scored and had a second touchdown. But uh, as PFF uh, has pointed out. We all know he had 138 yards, right? 132 of them were after contact. <laughs> like, mm. this is not what you expect. I believe he had nine broken tackles. Uh, that is not what you expected because one of the reasons why he went undrafted is because of his size. It's because you expect him to only be able to bounce outside. But he's going up the middle between the tackles. 132 yards after contact for this guy and his size Pretty impressive. John Harbaugh was asked Monday, what's the playing time going to be like uh, with Keaton Mitchell? Just, and I, I, this is the smart way to go, but as long as there's no more fumbles from Justice Hill, but John Harbaugh said, I'm sure there's going to be a rotation. He said it's going to be determined on kind of the scheme. It's going to be determined on uh, who's hot, who's tired, yeah. um, all that kind of stuff. And listen, we need that. We want these three guys fresh in December and January. So keep the rotation going. We don't need anybody beat up. We need everybody fresh throughout the season. I'm, I'm fine with that. I know everybody wants to see different guys, especially after they're hot, right? Like Gus mm -hmm. bus a week ago. And then, and then Keaton coming off the Seahawks game that they, they want to see him be the bell cow, but you want sustainability, you want efficiency, and you ultimately want these guys to be healthy when it matters the most. So is Gus bus capable of having a 19 carry, uh, day, week in and week out? Sure. But could that take away from the probability of him being healthy and, and fully ready to roll in January? Yeah, it probably would just in terms of, you know, the war of attrition and, and um, you know, the, the wear and tear at that running back position. So something to keep in mind moving forward uh, as we are on the other side of, of, of this season, you know, in terms of the second half of the season. Before we get to more notable nuggets from John Harbaugh's press conference, including perhaps a little bit of a hint in terms of David Ajabo's immediate fate and his future in his sophomore season. I wanted to let you know about our newest sponsor, and that is the folks at Thoroughbred Sedan Van and Bus LLC. And they want to know, you need a ride to BWI? What about Dulles or Reagan? Are you getting married and perhaps you need some guest shuttles? Please call our friends over at Thoroughbred Sedan Van and Bus Baltimore's most reliable and affordable ground transportation provider. It's safer than rideshare mobile apps. Drivers are professional and background screened, and vehicles remain meticulously detailed. You've probably seen them around the Beltway, perhaps even around the Ravens or Orioles games. So if you're interested, book your next ride with Thoroughbred. You can check out their user-friendly booking website by visiting www ridethoroughbred.com. You can also find all that information in the show notes below. On to John Harbaugh. We all know that this division, Sarah, is absurd. Matter of fact, as we sit here today, first week of November, it's so absurd 
that all four teams would be in the playoffs right now. That hasn't happened since 1998. Okay, the Chiefs would sit at the top. The Ravens would sit second right now. They're both at 7-2. and two. Jacksonville would be 3, Miami 4, Pittsburgh, Cleveland, Cincy 5-6-7 respectively. John Harbaugh talked about it. I think it's really, really awesome that we have such a great uh, division. And I'd, I'd, I'd really be disappointed if we didn't. You know, it'd be just terrible if everybody was not a good team in our division. So, you know, <laughs> uh, that's my best answer, you know. Hey, we respect these teams. This, it's a great division. I mean, there's no doubt. It's the best division. It's proven. We know the teams. You know, these teams are real. You know, we, we when you're in this division, you got to play them twice a year. You understand them. It's not just this year. So. We understand that. Uh, they all understand it, you know, and everybody knows what, what's, what's going to happen when we all play each other. So while the Ravens are playing who we all know is in the AFC North, the Chiefs, who are tied with the Ravens at the top of the, the conference, they get to play the Raiders and Chargers and Broncos twice each. Tough. So you tell me who's got an easier road to that, that potential number one seed. The Dolphins, you know, they get they have the Patriots in their, in their league, and I know the Jets are like, Obviously, have a good defense, and they're like moving along. But I'd rather take on the Jets than like the Bengals, you know, or like you know the Browns and Steelers, who are who are both have better records than them. Jacksonville has Tennessee, and you know the uh, Houston Texans are coming along. C.J. Stroud, but again, it's yeah. just—I mean, come on, KC's just got a, 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 a. Let's just face it; it's an easier road. I mean, division opponents are different, but it's still an easier road when you're playing three other teams that do any of these. No other team in the in the in the AFC West has a winning record. That's 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 nice to have. <laughs> it's unbelievable. It is unbelievable how dominant dominant this division has been, and it's going to change probably fifteen times right now in terms of the complexion of it, the state of it uh, between now and January. How about in terms of elite? We all know that word in and around Baltimore. Joe Flacco's heard that word a time or two. <laughs> Harbs was asked just in terms of. Uh, can you actually set this up? Because what was the reporter's question? Yeah, yeah. so it was basically like, do you feel like your team is playing with like at the same level as other elite teams in the NFL? Uh, okay, here you go. Well, yeah, I mean, at times, you know, and uh, at times we haven't. But it's really not a measuring stick against the other teams. It's really not really at this point. It's kind of irrelevant that way because it doesn't matter until the end. You know, that when the, what the standings are now are not important. It's what the standings are after the last regular season game that matter. So our guys really understand that, Jerry, I think, you know, and that's something that we're focused on one game at a time. What really matters is how we compare to ourselves from the week before, and that's what we're working on. That's just the correct attitude to have, Bobby. I mean, especially if you're a player or coach. You, you enjoy your win for 24 hours, and while we're all out here talking about, you know, are the Ravens, you know, the best in the NFL and the AFC, and we're talking about Sterling and Shannon and Stephen A and all that kind of stuff, like that's all what we do, but inside there they can't, they can't get caught up in that. And so Harbs was clearly trying to downplay everything. There are a lot of questions setting him up and everything, everything he was trying to downplay. Uh, now, in terms of injuries, he was asked again about Lamar Jackson. He already made it clear Sunday night that he was fine. Uh, he reiterated that Monday. He said, Kevon Seymour, I believe he was the only one that left the game and didn't return. He had an MRI on Monday on that shoulder. At the time, Harbaugh didn't have the results yet, but he did have the results of an x-ray and also a physical examination. They all feel that 
with without the MRI, they feel like he's looking pretty good. So Harbaugh said he may be day-to-day this week. That's pending those MRI results. And then he said that he didn't want to announce it yet, but he said they will have an announcement soon on David Ajabo. You take that as 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 not great news. I actually saw Jeff Zreback say that. Why, why do you take that as not great news? Well, I guess I was just kind of interpreting the way he, he said it. I mean, it was just last month that Ajabo himself had expressed like some some room for optimism about maybe avoiding surgery on that ankle. I, de- I think he's dealing with a knee injury as well, so I got to keep that in mind. But Harbs just seemed to like what what kind of announcement? I guess is the question. What if it's not a procedural? What could the announcement be? So that so that's why I took it as a good thing. But I could be off because you know Jeff said the same thing, and he has more inside knowledge than I do. Um, but to me, they don't announce, they don't usually announce surgery. Sometimes they do. Sometimes they do. Um, but because a job is already on IR to me, it was like, no announcement is needed. He's on IR. There's no announcement to say anything. He's already on there. So sometimes they announce injuries because they're having to put a player on IR I don't feel like they usually announce it when they're already on there, but I could be wrong. So my initial reaction was, oh, maybe they're going to be announcing that he's going to be activated off of IR. That was my initial thing, but maybe maybe you guys are hearing more in the tone. And like I said, Jeff knows more inside than I do. Uh, So we'll just have to wait to see what that is. Yeah, I guess my my initial thought brought me back to Tyus, uh, another situation that's obviously been confusing when when Harbs essentially said that it's, it's he doesn't want to make a decision or he doesn't want to make an announcement for him or put words in his mouth or something like that's what initially mm-hmm. came into my mind like oh is this is this something that 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 he wants David to speak on or they want to get more clarity on before they go public with it anyway we'll have to wait and see in terms of um, uh, the unfortunate. Unfortunate reality is that his David Ajabo's sophomore season has been a disappointment just solely based on availability for a guy who's been banged up. So, or really, it's it's unavailability. Okay, what else do we need to get to? Roquan? Let's tease Roquan. All right. So, episode five, crazy enough, we're five episodes into Inside the Vault with Roquan Smith, powered by our friends at Cybertech. It is now live across all of our platforms, including right here on YouTube and across all of our audio-only platforms. And hey, you you, well, you didn't even set them up for this. I mean, you were just talking about the dominance, the way that everybody's talking about this this Ravens defense and really this the, the team in general. And CBS was gushing about them throughout the entire telecast. And Roquan, as he tends to do, he took it in a completely different direction, motivationally wise, and it was awesome. Yeah, no, it's it's kind of crazy when you truly think about it. And yeah, you know this is a pass happy league, offense driven league. They, you know, want points, you know, for the fans and you know just offensive guys in general. And like I said, I look at it, you know, as a picture as from top to bottom, starting with our D line. I like our D line over any offensive line in the league, first and foremost. Linebackers, I like our linebackers over any linebackers in the league. And then our secondary as a group, I like those guys over anybody in the league as well combined. So when I look at it from top to bottom like that, man, it's like, and if every single guy plays to the best of their ability, like offense who? Like we shouldn't, we really shouldn't let people do anything. We should like just control everything. It's almost like a dictatorship. You know, we control what you do in a sense, (laughs) almost. But like, it's about keeping that though, week in and week out and holding yourself to like, 
that high standard and like not having allowing letdowns. And I feel like if we do that, man, the sky's the limit. But yeah, you definitely don't hear of those like those things, such low points and things like that. But hey, we're only what nine games in a year, so we, we definitely got a ways to go. And like, man, I'm just excited to see it just keep on going week in and week out. You'll notice I went off screen for a minute there, Bobby. I had to grab my pencil and pen to write down the timestamp because when he said we're almost a dictatorship, I was like, okay. Yeah, we're, we're noting that one. So now that one, he wasn't set up. On this next one, you kind of set him up, which was pretty good. Another golden quote. I'm excited about welcoming those guys. I don't really care too much about their defense. I'm just more so focused on uh, our defense and everything that we can do because, you know, those guys are going to come in here pissed off, and rightfully so, after the last game because it's a totally new game, totally new week. But we're excited for the challenge, and, you know, we can't wait to look it in the face. Chin up, chest out. <laughs> How about my little two cents here for your pregame coming up Sunday, right? You're not going to the dog pound. They're coming to you. They're coming to the bank. How about bank robbers are coming to the bank and you got to be your teller. You got to put on your hat and take care of business. Absolutely. Or what I'll do, I'll just close the bank down. You know, the hours are closed and then we decide when we open back up the bank. How about that? <laughs> of course, referring to the Cleveland Browns coming to town right. this upcoming weekend. And what, what, whether it's the Lions Den or the bank or w whatever it is, the nest, he is just so entertaining. And as we covered during that episode right off the top, I don't want to play it for you now because I think it's it's a cool little teaser. His pregame speech was all over the Jumbotron and Jonas Schaefer caught it. Just the the actual video of of his speech, a pregame before the Seattle game, and he's just he has such a way that he not only commands your attention, he demands your attention, and that's the uh, a hell of a quality for a leader. What's the difference between commanding and demanding your attention, Bobby? <laughs> he demand he, he demands excellence. Okay, okay. Anyway, let's get into some quick undeniably. Hits. It's undeniable. <laughs> It's like, it's a dictatorship. Okay. Um, we'll get into some, anyway, go watch the episode with Roquan Smith. He was very enlightening, very generous with his time. It Keaton. was great to have him on. Keaton. Go ahead. He was really oh, good on oh, Keaton. Oh, he also, yeah, he was really good on Keaton. Thanks for the reminder. Um, we asked about Keaton. Like a lot of people are like, did you, did you know that, did you see this coming? And he he talked to, it was funny because he's like, well, he did get me a couple times without like on a wheel route, he t wheel route he talked about and uh, that speed. But then he said that even Keaton showed him stuff that he didn't know he could do, which was go up between the tackles rather than bounce outside. So he was pretty enlightening on Keaton too, because I liked how honest he was uh, with that. So anyway, go check out the episode episode. If you're in the audio uh, archives. It's episode number 413, Bobby. We've done 413 episodes. Man. My goodness. Okay. Full speed A couple ahead. quick hits. Yeah. couple quick hits. Ian Rappaport of the NFL Network report, or reported that Browns coach Kevin Stefanski uh, told reporters that left tackle uh, Jedrick Wills, am I saying that right? Uh, has an MCL sprain and he will be placed on IR. That's their starting left tackle. Uh, remember, they're already missing their starting right tackle, Jack Conklin. Yeah. So, yeah, watch out for the defensive line. Uh, speaking of backups at right tackle, Patrick McCary against the Seahawks, how did he fare? Well, he had 38 passing pass blocking snaps, 
Zero sacks allowed, zero pressures allowed. He has been a fill-in extraordinaire. It's why they paid him a couple years ago. When you don't hear about him, that is only good things. Morgan Moses, who rarely misses a start, who's rarely unavailable, couldn't go. Well, so what? When he got Patrick McCarry, who cares? Sometimes there's negative connotations when you hear the whole like jack-of-all-trades, master of none. I think it's great. Guy goes up and down the line. No matter what you need, he's going to give it to you. It's kind of a, it kind of seems like a master of all of them, to be honest. I don't know. It's kind of crazy. <laughs> uh, we didn't get to this because um, it happened after our last episode. They always announce the fines that the NFL gives out. They always announce those uh, on Saturdays, and we just don't get to it after the game because we're talking about the game, but there was a play from the Arizona game where Patrick Ricard was fined $21,694. Now, uh, we don't know. Sometimes these guys are, are fined more because of repeated uh, offenses or whatnot, so I don't know if there's any there. But let's just watch what he gets fined for. It's really mind-boggling. Yeah, we can even talk over this too. So he's oh, running can, in motion. Oh, you see Gus is obviously yeah. it's a split backfield there. All it is is a simple handoff to Gus and 42 does what he always does. And let's run that back because it's such a routine play where Pat does, again, he's the extra blocker, right? Here he comes in motion right in front of Gus. And all he's going to do, he's not lowering his head. He's not going low on anybody. Like Pat Ricard is literally just exerting his force on an Arizona defensive player, and he gets fined as a result $21,000 and change. Well, Can he pay that? And there, there is contact with the helmet, but, uh, like, is he leading with I don't know. This is bananas to me. This, to me, is like everyday football. He there's Look, there is contact with the helmets, but are we supposed to pretend that they have to avoid that? in order to not like get like so much money taken. So obviously JJ Watt, he, uh, he tweeted about it and he said that, um, let's see if we he ripped him. He ripped him. He ripped him. Let's get this out of here. I will say it again. This is stealing money from guys. These absurd fines for routine football plays have got to stop. Fines for intentionally malicious plays? Absolutely. Taking 21 grand from a guy for this? What are we doing? This is out of control. John Harbaugh was talked about, uh, talked about it. John Harbaugh said there is a process uh, where it's not like the NCAA where, you know, they're the judge and jury and ex executioner with, with the players association. There is an appeal process, all of that. So, um, so he can potentially appeal it. I just think it's dumb. It's just ridiculous that it was there in the first place. So. Oh, what are we doing? He's doing everything right. And next thing you know, can and sure, can he pay it? Yes, he can pay it. But it's the principle. It's about the principle, not the not the amount. Whatever you and I could pay if we got fined from who knows YouTube. I mean, could we pay like a thousand dollars? Yeah, we we could pay it. But what the heck? I mean, it's still uh, Pat Ricard is not like. Deshaun Watson with all this guaranteed money. I mean, again, these guys are fine, but it's still it's ridiculous. These guys put their bodies on the line and like you're going to find them for that is a terrible, terrible fine. Yep. The principal. And by the way, YouTube, stop flagging us for all 22, will you? If you guys are listening out We're there. We're supposed to be able to use all 22. I don't know why that keeps coming up. Ugh. 
Anyway. Huge thank you to two of our returning patrons, Bill Justice and Toey Faree, as I segue seamlessly. You guys are the best. You support everything we're building here inside the channel through Patreon this month, and we wanted to give you each a shout-out. If you guys are interested in doing the same, visit patreon.com forward slash Ravens Vault Podcast to learn more about what we're offering this month inside the channel. So, again, episode five of Inside the Vault with Roquan Smith is now available. You can find it across all platforms. A great conversation with Agent Zero as usual. And we will be back on Wednesday morning. We're going to start to turn the page to the rematch. That is the Cleveland Browns coming to town for a Week 10 kickoff. And then, yeah, things start to kind of move forward from here quickly. A short week follows right with the Cincinnati Bengals on Thursday Night Football here in Baltimore. And next thing you know, it's going to be December. And every rep, every game, every play is going to be magnified. So we're looking forward to covering it all. If you haven't already done so, please subscribe to the channel. If you've been enjoying our content and like this video, if you appreciated this episode. For my co-host and partner, Sarah Ellison, I'm Bobby Trossett, signing off here inside the vault.